So in the first month, I generated about a hundred orders with around $7,000 in revenue with no ad spend. At Founder, we're on a mission to democratize entrepreneurial education and on our way to building one of the largest online schools in the world for entrepreneurs. We interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it so you can too. However, in this series, we're doing things a little differently. We're working with our own students in our community who are deep within the process of building our own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow, who've stood where you are and are on the way to building the business of their dreams. Now, before we jump in, our lawyers have told us to tell you this. Of course, we can't guarantee you'll have the results like some of our stories are about to share in this show. And as you know, with any business, it's a lot of hard work in addition to completing any online course. And with that said, welcome to From Zero to Founder. Hey guys, Molly here, I'm Founders Community Manager, and welcome back to the series From Zero to Founder. Today I'm sitting down with one of our Start and Scale students, Dr. Mike Morgan, to speak to him about his at-home garden kit, which has helped him generate over 7K in one month. He has so much wisdom and insight to share, and I'm just really looking forward to this interview. So let's get into it. Hi Mike, thank you so much for being here today. Why not start by introducing yourself and telling me a little bit about your business? It's great to be here. Uh, thank you for uh, providing the opportunity. My name is Dr. Mike Morgan. I'm the founder and CEO of Shimo. Shimo is a um, garden kit that ships directly to your door. It contains all the vital uh, essentials to have a successful grow and harvest. It's, it has soil, seed, fertilizer, and a fabric container. We put all of that in a beautiful package and send it out to the customer. Uh, it, it contains easy to follow uh, directions so that gardening is really made simple. And it's really amazing the timing of the pandemic and the notion that people wanna spend a little bit more time outside. They wanna get some fresh air. They don't wanna have to go to the big box stores and stand in line and try to figure out where do they even start uh, with what soils or fertilizers or seeds? I do all of the guesswork, all of the research and development is done here in my trial garden. And then once the product is ready to go, we ship everything to your door and make it seamless and easy for you to experience that. Incredible. I love that notion because I myself have not got a green thumb whatsoever. So making that process super simple, I'm sure a lot of people will appreciate what, what drew you initially to having a garden kit? Are you someone that's always been in the garden? So it's a really interesting story. Uh, about two and a half years ago, I had a life-altering anxiety attack that um, really changed my life. It, it was so dramatic uh, for me personally that I was having problems even leaving the house. I was suffering from that much anxiety. And so I, I've always loved plants and gardening, um, but this is the time where I, I really kind of just went outside and put some seeds in the ground and started growing, mainly as a therapy for healing myself after this um, anxiety uh, attack. What I found was that I started growing and I started sharing my experience online 
um, both about my plants and both about my anxiety. And eventually after a while of just growing after about a year, year and a half, um, and sharing my experience online on Facebook, friends of mine and colleagues of mine started hitting me up and saying, Hey, can I buy this stuff? And I'm like, I'm not selling it. I'm, I'm doing it just for myself, you know, as a therapy to help recover. And enough people finally asked me and a friend of mine said to me, you know, Mike, if you consider yourself an entrepreneur and people are asking to buy a product from you, sell them a product. And that was just what I needed. It was like the push over the edge to get me to start this business and launch it. And within a week or two of him telling me this, I made a decision to move forward with it. I was like, I'm going to take it step by step, day by day. If my anxiety gets too high, I'll slow down. If it doesn't, I'll speed up. And that's how it really came to fruition. I never intended to start a business. It just naturally came about, um, which is pretty amazing. I think it's super inspiring that sort of story too, because as you mentioned, it is very therapeutic and turning a passion that, you know, you found yourself into a business is amazing. And you said that your friends may consider you an entrepreneur. What were you doing prior to starting this business? So I've, over the last two decades, started and launched several different businesses, ventures. They've had various levels of success. Um, in the past, I started a company called Everbloom. It was essentially, think about a refrigerator type appliance that used hydroponic technology to grow fresh plants, vegetables, herbs. Think, think of it as like the fourth appliance. So you'd have a refrigerator, a microwave, an oven, and then you'd have a Everbloom. I've been involved in public private partnerships between a couple of universities and the government of Botswana to start a renewable energy-based farm. So I've, I've always tried and attempted to start businesses. I think the interesting thing about Shimo and the e-commerce space is that in all of those other businesses I started, I never got to the point where I could raise enough capital to make money, to drive revenue. But day one from Shimo, I started driving revenue. And that's kind of when I knew that probably the e-commerce space was something that I just probably needed to be in a long time ago. But I, through my journey, reached this point. And um, yeah, that's how it that's how it really came about. I find that really fascinating. And it's definitely a journey. And I'm so glad that you ended up finding Shimo because it does sound like something you're very passionate about. But speak to me about the process of finally agreeing. All those friends were asking you about it. What were the next steps to make this a reality? I think having gone and prototyped both digital and physical products, I think the best way to do it is 
what happened with Shimo. So what entrepreneurs do a lot of times is they develop a product and then they try to find a customer and wrap a business solution around a product. So they kind of do it backwards in that case. In this case, I hadn't really developed a product. I had essentially conceptualized a product, but I actually hadn't started formulating what it would look like. But the customer was already there asking for a product. What I did was to get, an, to get a minimally viable product, I went and bought all COTS, commercially off-the-shelf components. And I took those and matched the color. I matched uh, the fabrics, the sizes, the dimensions, the materials, the look, everything. At least conceptually, I had in my mind, I went to Amazon, purchased those type of products, put together a prototype with minimal dollars and products that I knew I could go and buy at bulk and at scale because they were already being sold at bulk and scale to consumers. So from there, I got a minimal viable product and I shipped. I packaged and shipped that myself out to the customers. That allowed me to actually get products in the customer's hands and get feedback. So that initial uh, ship was in the fall of 2020. I, I shipped 50 products, uh, 50 units to customers, started getting their feedback. From there, I realized that I had traction. I had people that were willing to pay money. I then went out and hired a designer to help develop the, the, the manufacturing, I mean, the um, help develop the packaging and also the branding of the product. So now it's the second iteration. I went and spent more money because I realized that now I was going to be able to make money and I wanted to make the product more appropriate for the type of demographic that I was trying to serve, which is, um, you know, someone in the middle to middle upper class um, demographic who has enough um, spending uh, capacity to buy a garden kit that's priced around the $50 to $70 price point. And um, that's how I originated um, the idea just by getting components off the web, doing all the um, prototyping, coming up with an idea, and then going and now work on the manufacturing of the, of the actual, uh, con, you know, components within the, within the kit itself. I think that's really, having been on this journey many times, both in the digital and the tangible product space, the actual physical product space, I think that's the fastest, most cost-effective way to develop a product that you can ship to customers and start getting feedback. No, it's very impressive. And I think that's such a quick turnaround. And I love that you've already kind of validated your idea before sending it out to perfect it and reiterate it. I think that's very smart. And I'm sure a lot of people listening will definitely take that advice on board as well. In terms of, uh, you know, you mentioned how you were creating the products at home. How did you keep up with the demand? Because 50 products to send out initially by yourself is, is a lot of work. 
How did you kind of think to yourself, how am I going to get this to scale? And how did you put the steps in place to find the manufacturer, find the designer? Such great questions. Um, I think that LinkedIn is a, is a really valuable tool when it comes to trying to find the right companies or the right people to help you find what you're looking for. And I went ahead and was searching online. So for example, I'll talk about the container. I was searching online looking for container manufacturers here in the US. Um, I quickly realized that um, the majority of them were from Asia. And then I had the, the question of, okay, how do I find that contact in Asia that I need? And so I called a gentleman who produced similar product for a big box store. And it just so happened that they were actually discontinuing that product line. And so he goes, Mike, I'm not even interested in trying to sell you the product or whatever. I can give you a discount if you'd like, but where I think you're going to get the best value is I'm going to give you the woman in China who does all the sourcing for us. And he's like, I will introduce you to her. And that's how I got in contact with the woman who was helping source the containers for me. So it's one of these things where you just have to go around and look under little rocks and see if you can find something that you're looking for. And most of the time, if you're genuine and succinct and straight to the point, people will give you the same respect back. And so um, just let them know, like, hey, I'm starting a company. I don't have many resources. I'm looking for a contact. Can you help me? Yes, great. If not, okay. Is there anybody that you may know of who you can put me in contact with that may be able to help me? And I think you can do that with, for me, it was the same process with soil suppliers, soil manufacturers, who is willing to allow me to use their soil and private label their soil? Where can I go get seeds? Who are the main suppliers for seeds? Who are the players? I started calling all these different seed companies, smaller seed companies, emailing them, cold calling them, contacting them on LinkedIn. And over a period of several months, when you start doing all of this, then everything starts to come together. And now within a couple months, you have all your suppliers and everything is ready to go. As long as you have a little money saved away to buy those components at a volume that's not too burdensome to overcome. So if you can buy in like units of 50 or 100, I suggest doing that. If the MOQ is like 250 or 500, and you have to foot the bill in order to get the product, well, then that's what you have to do. But if you start small, small MOQs, small quantities, um, and you get all of that stuff, then when you sell, when you start selling and you get 50 orders, everything is ready to go. It just becomes a um, kind of a, 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 an assembly line. Now, to your point, I was exhausted for the first it took me like eight hours to pack, hand pack like 15 kits. Cause I, I do everything. I 
I was printing out the envelopes. I was handwriting notes. I was tying burlap strings and, and bows and all that stuff. And it was, it, it was worth it to me because the customer at the end of the day was like, I can tell how much, how much time and energy and effort you put into creating this, this package for us. The problem that I saw at that point was, how am I going to go from being totally exhausted out of after doing 15 units to being able to scale to even 25 units in a day? You know, it's like those extra 10 units, you know, that's an additional several hours. I went back at that point, and this is where I talked about before, is the second iteration of the design. I really worked on packaging efficiency and what components I could basically get pre-printed or what components I could remove from the packaging if I created a custom insert, those type of things. Um, and so that's where the second iteration became very powerful for me because at that point in time, it was like, how can I increase packaging efficiency and either continue the same uh, bill of material cost or decrease that as well. And that was the notion of like, okay, how am I going to scale this? And so going through that process, I think was great. And you don't know that. I mean, you can design everything on a computer. You can even get those components from Amazon and piecemeal them together into your MVP. But until you're actually sitting down packaging unit after unit after unit, like you do that one day, you do it for one hour and you quickly realize you can even do it for one package. And then your mind starts going crazy. It was like, okay, I can design this much better. And I think that's kind of the iteration aspect, which is like, okay, how can I get the product out the door, make it look as good as possible, get it out the door as fast as possible and get feedback from the customer. When you get that, then it becomes, okay, how can I now design the product to make it even better for the customer, make it faster to package and then scale and then reduce the cost or keep the cost at the same? Very interesting. And you touched on so many important facts, but the one I really want to focus on is you've mentioned packaging quite a lot now. And I feel like for your type of product, it would be very important. You know, you've got uh, goods that can be um, moved around in transit. You've got very delicate items you're shipping. The first iteration compared to the second, what really changed for you when you were starting to pack these orders that you were like, this needs to change in order for the customer to really have that great user experience? You know, funny story. Um, I was probably about a week and a half before launch. I'd set a goal. Was March 31st of 2021. I said, I'm going to hit that goal no matter what, period. And about a week and a half before, I'm, I'm showing my brother, who's um, been a part of kind of my entrepreneurial journey, uh, I'm showing him the packaging. And he says, How much does it, how much does it cost to ship that thing? It's like the bag of soil is like, it's got to be like 10 pounds. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you know, I really haven't crossed that bridge yet, um, but I've got to kind of figure it out, you know? And he's like, yeah. He's like, because if it's, if the cost to ship that kit is greater than what you're going to get in return, 
you know, the profit and loss, you know, the, the revenue and the profit and such, he's like, it doesn't matter how many you sell, you're going to lose money from day one. And I was like, freaked out. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, the most obvious thing, which is the shipping, it's an e-commerce product. It's the shipping. I haven't even really like figured out yet. And here I am launching a week and a half in advance. So I immediately just took the components and I brought them to US Postal Service, UPS and FedEx. And I said, how much is it going to ship this to California? And I gave them a, a random address in California. What I realized was that um, US Postal Service would ship the product anywhere in the US, including Hawaii and Alaska for, I think at that time it was like $19. And so I said, okay, well, I know my bill of materials, I know the shipping cost, and I have an idea of what I want to sell it at in terms of price. I'm like, I can make money off of it. So I was like, okay, I'm not as worried right now, a week and a half going in, et cetera. About a week before I posted something on Start and Scale, Start and Scale, and there was a woman named Jennifer Abernathy who responded and Jennifer was like, hey, you can get that price down much, much cheaper with UPS business account. And then I realized that through that process and then through Shopify that that package that was shipping for $21, that could be five miles away from my house or 500 miles away from my house was the same amount of money. I figured out that through Shopify and using UPS as a carrier on Shopify, that I was going to end up saving on average, probably $10 on shipping. So then it was amazing because I had built the product off of the dimension of the US Postal Service flat rate shipping box, which is like 12 and a quarter by 12 and a quarter by six, I think. When you take that same product and put it in a UPS box, which is a, like the same dimension, instead of paying $19 to ship it anywhere, I could now ship it for, in some cases, as low as $9. So I just took the same product and repackaged it in a box that would ship through U.S. Post, uh, U.S., uh, U.S., ugh, UPS, excuse me. So it ended up working really in my favor. Um, the biggest thing I would tell any e-commerce entrepreneur to do first is figure out how much it's going to cost to ship your product. Because in some cases, some of these products that people are creating, you'll never make money off of shipping because the shipping is just, you'll never make money off the product because the shipping cost is too high to overcome. That was a lesson that I learned luckily before launch. And I would say it saved me hundreds of dollars at this point. That's an incredible learning. And I think it's great. You touched upon the Start and Scale group and it is such a great community. There's always so many happy, helpful people in there. And Jennifer is actually one we've spoken to before on the podcast and she was full of 
such amazing advice. So the fact that you mentioned her and she's helped you is just incredible as well. But from these learnings, talk me through day one. You're ready to sell. You've got everything in order. What was that like and how did it perform? There's there's something about, um, and Greta, I think, does a really fantastic job talking about this when she talks to other entrepreneurs. It's like, there's something about building excitement for the launch of a product, right? And so just sharing my journey with Shimo over the last couple of years has built, it's like, it built itself. What I would say is that that excitement, I think, translated to other people, to my co- my coworkers, colleagues, and network. And I had people start reaching out to me and saying, hey, Mike, how can I help you? I know you're launching. I had a friend of mine that I went to Syracuse University, a college up here in New York, who does PR. And she said to me, hey, I can do some PR for you and get you some earned media. And so that when you launch, we'll try to get a press release. Uh, we'll try to get somebody to pick it up, whether it's a newscast or, or a magazine. It so happened that I ended up getting a slot on uh, NBC television up in Providence, Rhode Island. And they did it under a healthcare segment on how I use gardening as a therapy to deal with anxiety and how relevant that was during the pandemic time. And that translated into another story locally here in Virginia, where, where I, I run Shimo from, and they picked that up. The combination of friends and family, colleagues, watching me build a product and finally launching it, and then that culmination of the earned media, free advertising, generated that mass influx of sales within the first month. The first day, it was just like, I just got to launch this thing by midnight. Okay, that's what I'm trying to do. And so I know I, I haven't had many integrations in place. I don't have my email, you know, drip campaigns. I don't have SMS text campaigns. I don't even have Facebook or Instagram storefronts you know, set up. I had none of that set up, but I built enough momentum where it didn't even matter. At that point, people were going to buy. I think to myself, if I had all of that stuff lined up, would it have helped in the end? And I, I think the answer is yes, but I would caveat by saying, don't focus on getting everything ready to go just go and set a date and launch it. All that stuff will come in after the fact and you can spend time figuring out what it is that you really need for app integrations into your e-commerce platform store. Hey there, Nathan Chan here, CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine. If you're enjoying From Zero to Founder and you want to learn from some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation, then I highly recommend you also subscribe and check out the Founder Podcast. We talk to some of the most successful people on the planet to discover how they're building their businesses. So you can take a front row seat as we go deep and we learn from some of the founders of brands like Netflix, Dropbox, Reebok, and so many more, and how they built these companies. You can find the Founder Magazine podcast with Nathan Chan on 
all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe. All right, now let's get back into the show. You had actually quite the incredible one month in terms of revenue. Would you like to share that with those that are listening as well? So in the first month, I generated about 100 orders with around $7,000 in revenue with no ad spend. I will say that I was pleasantly surprised. I will also tell you what probably not a lot of other people will tell you, but after that first month, sales started to decline. The rate of them started to decline. So I wasn't getting the volume per day that I was getting before. And I think that's a testament to the fact that you can't just put a product up and it's going to sell and it's going to go bananas and you're not going to have to put anything else into the engine after to get it to keep going. I think there are probably products out there that are like that, like that, but they're unicorn products, like not maybe like that 0.1% of e-commerce sellers, like they have that unicorn product, um, but not every product is like that. So I think it's important for people to understand that you can have a great launch, but you got to take that money that you generated in revenue and you got to turn it right back into that machine. And that's kind of what, I've been focused on in month two, which is one, um, what app integrations do I need to improve conversion rates? So I have a high volume of visitors to my store. How do I optimize the content on there to get more people to buy? How do I capture those consumers via some trickle email marketing or SMS texts with abandoned carts? How do I then put those integrations into place so that I'm optimizing the traffic that's coming to my store? And then what do I do about Facebook and Instagram advertising? How do I start to unravel that animal and try to figure that out and do it in a way where I only have certain dollars to spend? So how can I ensure that I don't break the bank before I even get the engine really started to rev. And so I think that's kind of the challenge that most e-commerce founders will experience is they get that initial bump. The excitement was there. The free press was there. What happens when all that stuff goes away? What do you do then? And that's where the rubber meets the road. And I think that's what separates probably people that are going to be very successful with their e-commerce journey versus those who are gonna kind of struggle to get to that point in which they've set as a, a goal for themselves. I find that advice super helpful and it's great that you're so transparent because the one thing about this podcast I love is so many different people have different journeys and I think that's so true. You can have a launch that just skyrockets and then it trickles down and it's the hard work that each entrepreneur puts into their business that kind of keeps that trajectory. and. You mentioned how you wanted to scale and tackle all of these new aspects. Is this something that you want to focus on doing by yourself to begin with and then think about how you can scale again, maybe with a team? I think if you talk to seasoned entrepreneurs, they will give you 
every answer under the book about what it's like having a co-founder or starting team and the positives and negatives of that. Through my journey, the one thing I've realized is that nobody is ever going to have the same motivation that you as the founder, as the person who came up with the idea is going to have, period. Nobody's ever going to be able to keep up with your pace because you're the one pacing everyone. And you should be going faster than anyone around you. If, 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 if your team members are going faster than you, that might be a problem to begin with. What I found is that, and I've built teams um, with two or three other people. I've built teams with upwards of a dozen people. The beautiful thing about teams is that each person brings something to the table and they are a master of that thing. Um, but the bad thing about it is that oftentimes you deal with the person's personality more than you deal with their expertise. Humans are humans and humans are difficult and they're hard. They're hard to, to deal with. And when you're not paying them, they're hard to motivate. When you're not paying them, it's hard to get them to do things on the timeline that you've set. I think the thing about e-commerce that I'm figuring out or trying to figure out is whether I can actually do it myself. And what I mean by myself is, can I do it and then hire those experts to come in and out? And in fact, I would say to everyone that that's in, in fact what i've done i've hired three different designers i've hired uh, a packaging engineer um i'm just about to bring on a facebook ads expert so instead of like bringing those people on making them employees or trading equity within the company i use limited cash to bring them on to have them execute something that's very specific that's very curtailed and then they do the work and then they go about their business and I'm running the business. So I still haven't figured out whether I need a team of sorts. I'm, I'm actually about to bring on two interns from local universities here in the US. The other thing I haven't figured out yet either is, do I need outside investment in order to scale this? Or can I do it in a way that I just generate what I need from revenue and just pump it back into the machine? The one, the one thing I will say to you and, and to, your, um, to, your, to your members is, and this is something that my mentor has told me, with a product like this that I have, like Shimo, you could spend all of your time and energy and money in running social media ads and get that one purchase, one purchase, one purchase. Or you could look for channel partner opportunities where they could help leverage their network, their supply chain, their customer base to sell a unique product that they don't have, but they can put their kind of rubber stamp on there. And, and so now I'm looking at what companies, what organizations can I channel partner with 
in order to scale and sell a lot of product. And what I mean by that is, so with Chimo, it's designed to grow herbs, vegetables, flowers, okay? When I think of that, I think of a couple different potential partners. I think of major supermarket chains that are high-end, that somebody would go in and buy an organic garden kit that can grow things that you probably wouldn't be able to get in a supermarket or a farmer's market. So what supermarket chains would be pushing innovation and can I send them a partnership deck to see if they're interested? In fact, I've done that with a supermarket chain. I've also done it with um, a hardware store chain, which is a national chain here, and said to them, uh, specifically to their e-commerce um, senior vice president, hey, I have a really cool product. You don't have to do anything with it. All you got to do is put it on your website. I'll take care of all the packaging, supply chains, all that. If you just give me the digital space to promote my product, I think your customers will buy it because it's unique. And then you get the affiliation with my product in your store. So um, I've had a few conversations with a few people. Um, I think that um, it's probably just a little bit too early. They're looking to see, I think, more than 150 sales before they bring on uh, a new product like that. I'll also tell you that um, I had a venture capital firm reach out to me as well that saw my press release. This is one of the value um, ads of press release. They saw my press release on LinkedIn, contacted me, and basically said, hey, we're writing million-dollar checks. Um, you know, tell me about your business. You know, again, I, I think it was probably within like 45 days of launch, I had had conversations with two major potential channel partners and a VC, all of which I think were interested, but wanted to see more uh, traction on the market, wanted to see more kind of sales, um, recurring revenues, I think is what they're interested in at this point. And and I and I'm not there yet. I'm 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 just building um, as we go. But I think trying to take your product and leverage it through channel partnerships, um, if you can get it that way, you don't have to do the slog of day to day Facebook social media advertising for every one dollar I put in. How many dollars am I going to get out in sales? So I think channel marketing. Um, is something that people should be aware of. It's something that I think is a very valuable tool. And it can take your product from nothing to something very large in a short amount of time if you've got the right partner. I find that amazing. And I do agree because there's so many different ways that you can launch a product and how you can scale that. And I think it's really great to have that different perspective because it makes sense with your product. And I think it's a really great avenue to explore. And I'm sure a lot of people listening might even think, oh, you know, maybe I could go down that same route. From the initial 100 orders that you shipped out, what was the response like to that? Did you start getting any like user-generated content that you could start thinking, yes, this is what I'm going to use in my ads or when you do tackle social media? So I'm growing, um, I started to get, get Shimo 
Instagram account. I, I had zero followers. I've grown it to 230 followers, which is minimal in the grand context of things. And I posted pictures of my products that I've grown. That has spurred my customers to come and do Facebook stories, reels. I've been able to use that user-generated content on my social media accounts. I'm actually debating at this point in time whether I want um, to implement or integrate a, a review app solution into my store. There's positives and negatives for doing that, I think. Um, but I will say that the response has been very positive. There is, interestingly, like one of the most challenging things to grow is tomatoes. And so what I found after the first couple weeks was one or two people saying to me, Mike, my tomatoes aren't growing. Well, if, if you know anything about gardening, like, and you know anything about the United States, we, we have so many states that have different climates and different seasons and temperatures and all of these different variables to make um, gardening very challenging, especially when you're trying to create a one-size-fits-all solution. So when I got the first couple emails back, I said, you know, I'm going to make a Shimo sprout policy. If your seeds don't sprout, I'm going to send you new seeds. I'm going to make you successful, no matter what. So the last couple of weeks, I've been sending out tomato seeds to customers that are having a challenge growing their tomatoes. That's kind of made me start to think about, okay, should there be some levels of, should I integrate some levels of complexity? Like the greens are very easy to grow. The jalapeno peppers are medium. The tomatoes are challenging. You know, should we kind of delineate between skill level or ease of, of growing? Um, I also have gotten great responses back from people. They're sending pictures. They're tagging me. Um, people have provided me feedback in terms of like what they're missing in the product. Like, hey, it would be great if you did this, or if you added this feature to your website, um, that'd be great. So I've kind of taken that feedback and, and optimized my experience for the customer. So I, I think, um, again, building that community far in advance, they want to see you succeed. They're buying your product. They want to help you. You know, you got to be able to just say to them, hey, can you, can you post a picture? Can you say how easy it was and, and people will do it. And, and, and that's been a huge booster for building confidence with consumers watching other consumers succeed. And I'd really like to kind of continue to build that and utilize that through user generated content and, and start to kind of capitalize on that a bit more. Mm, um, and I think it's also great because user generated content is something that is reiterated again and again throughout the Start and Scale course. What other features or strategies did you adopt from that course to really help you succeed? You know, we kind of chatted briefly before, and I, I think one of the things that I mentioned about the, the course that I found extremely helpful is that it packaged things in nuggets where you're not overwhelmed. Like, it's overwhelming to start a new business, all right? It's overwhelming 
to build a product if you've never built a product. It's overwhelming to even just put yourself out there publicly, you know, in front of other people. And, and you know, if your product fails in the eyes of the customer, you know, you, you fail too, you feel that. And I think, I think the thing about the course that I liked is, is that it's chunked out, it's got chapters or volumes that you can easily follow. You don't get overwhelmed. It's easy to check the box of what you've achieved. It's also easy to look forward to and also see what you need to do. And I think, I think if, you, if you follow the course like the way it's designed, it will, it will drive you to success and not do it at a level that's going to burden you or overwhelm you. And I think to me, as somebody who has dealt with anxiety, who's started multiple businesses, who's seen the, the best and worst of it, like if you can follow a path that's laid out that everybody follows and you can see who's successful, you can see what they've built. You know, I think the biggest thing in entrepreneurship is you don't need to reinvent the model. You can do what everybody else has done. And I think that's what this course does. Incredible advice. And I completely agree with you. I think it's so amazing to have community members like yourself who have gone through the process and seen such great traction and in such little time as well, like, you know, March 2021 to now, it's only when we're shooting this June. So I think it's incredible what you can achieve in such a short amount of time. And working towards wrapping up and, and answering these last few questions, in terms of your goals, you say you really want to get everything refined and scale. Do you have a revenue goal that you really want to hit? You were talking earlier about goals and, and accomplishments. Is there anything in terms of revenue that you're really aiming for? I, I feel funny saying this, but I'm going to say it because I, I feel like everybody should have a goal. And I feel like it should be very clear as to what you want to achieve. What I would love to be able to do is work full-time with Shimo. I'd love to have a cabin in the state of Maine, and I'd love to have a place on the beach in, in the U.S. Virgin Islands, in St. John, okay? And so this week, while I was on vacation, I hadn't taken a vacation in a long time. After the launch, I was like, I need to just go away and like take a break and figure out what I'm going to do. I came up with a number of $1.6 million, okay? $800,000 on a house in Maine, $800,000 on a house in, in U.S. Virgin Islands. They're not mansions. I mean, it sounds like a lot of money, but it, it doesn't go that far, let me just say, you know, in these places. But that $1.6 million is my goal. And if I can get there, I'll have a house in Maine and a house in the, in the Caribbean. And so I, I just, I, it sounds so silly and so trivial and, and so bizarre, probably to many people. But I think, again, everybody's goal and attributions, it's you, it's you. So you have to be able to set your own goal and then be able to try to achieve it. And so that's what I've done. That's what I'm going for. $1.6 million in Shimo kits. I think that's incredible. And I hope one day we can actually catch up again and you'll have that house in Maine and all the incredible <laughs> other things. I hope so too. <laughs> and 
I feel like that's a great point to ask my last question before we sign off. If you could give anyone listening a valuable piece of advice that you've learned along the way, what would that be? I learned it the hard way, a real hard way. But but my biggest piece of advice to people is be kind and be gentle to yourself. You're going to see so many stories of people being successful and flying around in jets and Lamborghinis and, and that does happen, you know, but it doesn't happen very often. So I think as long as people take a metered approach to developing a product, selling a product online and go at a pace that is not going to break them and be kind and gentle to yourself while you're doing it. That's my biggest piece of advice because you can have all the money in the world. You can move like a lightning bolt at the speed of sound. But if you don't have that balance of mind, body, and soul, you will never reach that point that you're trying to strive to reach. You'll never get there ever. So I, I think it's just, it's just super important for people to understand, like, you have to play the long game. You're not overnight going to sell $10 million of product. It takes years. It takes people a long time to get all this set up and operating and working. And it takes money. You got to save your money. I saved $20,000 before I even launched Shimo. I saved $20,000. And that was something I think is so important. You've got to have money in order to be able to make money. And, and so again, you know, just be kind and gentle to yourself. Enjoy the journey. Don't get overwhelmed. Like, let it be a positive experience on your life. Because if you don't, you'll break. I mean, I'm a strong-minded person, but life and entrepreneurship broke me. And I don't say that lightheartedly. And so that's why I think that's my biggest piece of advice is be kind and gentle to yourself. Take your time. Thank you so much for sharing. And I do agree. I think it's really, really important to kind of keep that balance because at the end of the day, all that's left is you and, and your mind and your well-being. So thank you so much, Mike, for sitting down, sharing all the amazing insights that you've had with Shimo. And I really do look forward to catching up, hopefully, when you've hit that $1.6 million or even in between. So Thank you again. And yeah, just really, really grateful. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate your time. And um, I look forward to continuing to be a positive member of the Start and Scale community. And anybody has any questions, please feel free to reach out, you know, share your experiences. It's, it helps everybody. And that's, it's really helped me as well. Hey guys, we hope you're loving From Zero to Founder and you're getting a ton of value from it. If you want access to the exact free training that led today's founder to where they are now, head to founder.com slash e-commerce training or follow the link in the show notes.